Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter number 5. You know, the Bible says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. I want to talk about faith today. And it's true. There's one true faith. But uh, in this story, in 2 Kings chapter number 5, it's the story of Naaman. And he's a, I'd say he's a general, but he was, he was a respected military officer in the Syrian army. And he was highly respected. And uh, he was... He was so highly respected. The king loved him. The king uh, wanted good for him. And that's the story we're going to be in today. But in this, in this uh, chapter number five of Second Kings, we're going to see seven kinds of faith that people have as we look in there. And Brother Charles, don't get too worried just because it's not three points. It won't, it won't, that doesn't mean it's going to take twice as long. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... Looking in here, we see seven kinds of faith that people have, seven different ways people react. Now, we've been watching uh, in Sunday school, we've been watching Ray Comfort Witness, you know, on the videos while we're kind of taking a little break before uh, the next year. And then we're going to be studying what we're going to be looking at, how to witness next year, this coming year. But you see all kinds of reactions. But a lot of times you see the same reactions, just different classes. It's kind of like you see... A whole, a whole sea of faces, but when you look at them, you, they start to look alike. Is anybody else like me and Didi? We've, we've lived so many places that everywhere we go, it seemed like we see somebody we already knew. And, you know, I think I've told you all this before, but I'll, I'll see somebody and I'll say, you know, Dee, she kind of looks like you. She's like, no, that's not her. <laughs> but she does look like her. But you kind of see a pattern in people. You kind of see a pattern with that. So let's look at 2 Kings chapter number 5. We'll read a little bit, then we're going to pray, and then we're going to preach. It says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of Syria, was a great man with his master, and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies, and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Now let's pray. Amen. So here we have Naaman who's basically second to the king. He's an honorable man. He's fought battles for Syria, and he's had victories. But those victories, the Bible tells us, were through God, that God blessed him with the victories. We know that that happens. We know that in the Old Testament, when we see the the king of Persia, he was given victory. When we see the king of Babylon, and he had a great nation, it was because God gave it to him. The powers are there at the grace of God. And it said, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he had one problem. He was a leper. He had, he had a loathsome disease. Wasn't too long ago we talked about leprosy. We talked about, you know, it's a skin condition in some places. It depends on how bad it gets, but it's a skin condition. It can get down to the point where you can't even feel your nerves. You get down to the point where where your nerves are dead and you have to constantly check your feet. you got to check everything because you could bump something, you could get it cut, and it could get infected without you even knowing it. You know, we get a little pain. 
but he's suffering with this leprosy. And the, the soldiers had captured, they had attacked some of the corners of Israel, and they had cat, taken this young girl captive along with some others, and they gave, him, gave her to Naaman and his wife. And he gave her to his wife to be her maidservant. Says verse number two, and the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. We see this young girl that's captured, and we see a simple faith is the first one that we look at. She simply understood and trusted that the prophet of the Lord could heal her master. She had nothing in front of her to say that that was so other than that she trusted in the prophet of the Lord and what God would do through him. And the prophet that she's talking about is Elisha. Now, Elisha was the one that came after Elijah. He was the one that poured the water on the hands of Elisha, Elijah with a J and Elisha with a S-H. But he had watched Elijah carried up into heaven in a whirlwind and he had followed him. And he had, asked, he had asked the Lord for a double portion of what Elijah had. And when he saw Elijah go up into heaven and the mantle dropped and he picked up the mantle, the first thing he did was, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he struck the waters and he was able to walk across. But she had heard of this prophet. She might have heard about when he healed the, widow's son, the, the, the woman's son over there in chapter number four. But she had a simple faith and she was willing to share it. And she had a desire for her master to be healed. She said, would God that he was with the prophet in Israel. And then we see in verse number five, uh, verse number four, and one went in and told his Lord saying, thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go to, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him. I'm going to go ahead and read ahead and we'll go back. And the king of Israel said, go to go and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver and 6,000 pieces of gold and 10 changes of raiment. Now, when I looked that up, if I did the math right, that's about four and a half million dollars in gold today. Gold's exchanging at about $1,878 an ounce this morning. So about four and a half million dollars in gold. Uh, I think it was 150 pounds. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman, my, Naaman, my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy. Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, and that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought 
He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farfar rivers of Damascus far better than the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him, saying, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in the river Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. So in this story, we have different actors. We have Naaman, we have the little maid girl, and the little maid girl we already mentioned, she had a simple faith. It was simply trusting in God. If only he could get to the prophet. And Naaman is living with this leprosy. He's got all this success in his life, but he knows it's visible. There's something wrong. There's a lot of people out there that that are visibly within their life, everything's going okay, but they know that something's empty. They know that something's hollow inside. And when he finds out that there's a prophet in Israel that might be able to heal him, that's something that he's waited for his whole life. Now, I'm going to gross you out a little bit. You ever watch Dr. Pimple Popper? I do that, get Dee. Dee Dee said, how can you watch that show? I said, because I know what kind of relief they're getting. And people go in there with something that they've been dealing with their, you know, for most of their life. Some, some of it's a growth that's been on their neck that's gotten large, or some of it's you know, on their head, a bump that's gone there. I have a friend that went and got cysts removed. But when you have a condition like that, you live with it every single day. And I remember one guy on there, his skin was scaly, and no matter what he did, he just shed everywhere he went. You know, and they had to keep the floor swept and things like that. And he was just dealing with that. When, when she was able to help him and she gave him this medicine, it was real strong, real powerful. He was so grateful for it. It gave him his life back in a way. He, he, was, he was able, to, you know, he could sit there without shedding. He wasn't, he, his wife still loved him, but now they could be even closer. It was a whole, a whole fresh thing for him. It, it was a whole new lease on life. Kind of like the first time I got my glasses and I took one of the connectors off and it's like, there's a serial number on here. Y'all ever been through that? It's a new lease on life. And Naaman, with all his success and with everything that was going on, he knew it is, it, he couldn't escape. Every morning when he woke up, every day, night when he went to bed, he had that leprosy. His skin was white. He was different from everybody else. He was suffering from that. So the chance, the opportunity to get healed, and he goes and he talks to his king, and I think he just asked the king if he could just have some leave to go and see this prophet in Israel. And the king thinks highly of him. You know that he's respected because the king says, I tell you what, if this is going to work out here, I'm going to give you all this money. I'm going to set you up with clothes. You know they're expensive clothes. They're from the king. He sets him up with all of this, and he says, I'm going to give you a letter to the king of Israel. And you take this to him, and the letter has my authority behind it. He was a powerful king in that time period, conquering other nations. We see the faith of the young maid, which is simple. And then we see the faith of the king. And that king's faith was placed in that money, was placed in his power. 
He, he was trusting in his own riches. He could, he could pay to have his servant, servant Naaman healed. There's a lot of people that think that they can get to heaven or that they can buy their way into church or that they can buy their way into God's grace. God, I've done all this charity. I've done all of these works. I've done all these things. I've, I've, I've donated to this and that. It, that their money, they put their faith in their own money and their own power in order to get into God's grace, in order to get healing. Y'all follow me on that? So Naaman loads up and all he can think about is, man, I'm going to be healed. And he goes and he, ta- he travels a great distance and he goes to Israel and he talks to the king in the court. And then in the king of Israel, we see a different kind of faith. Because <laughs> the king of Israel gets this letter and at that time, and, and I've kind of been in this circumstances when somebody says something to you and you really don't know if they're pay- playing political games or not. I remember when we got a neighbor, a letter from our neighbor, and she's well connected with city hall and all this or whatever. And I just, what is she gonna? What do we say here that's gonna be wrong? What's what? What kind of letter is gonna come next? What kind of person is she gonna turn against us? And that ended up working out. We put it before the Lord, and that ended up working out. But you worry about that. So when Naaman shows up to this king, the king of Israel in the northern kingdom when he shows up to him. Now Israel and Judah, they're split. The king of Israel, you know, Israel doesn't have a reputation for following God or for being close to God. Matter of fact, they've got a reputation for having their own prophets. Ahab and Jezebel were king and queen not too long before and they had the 350 prophets of Baal that Elijah took care of. So he's got all his prophets and he gets this letter from the king saying to heal my servant Naaman. And he's like, I can't do this. He said, who am I, God, to heal and to make alive? Look in your Bible. Verse number seven, and it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, am I, God, to kill and to make alive? That this man does send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, I consider, pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. Now, the king of Israel, his first thought wasn't to send him to the prophet of God. His first thought wasn't having anything to do with God. He looked at his own capability, and he looked at where he was, and his own thought was, my prophets can't heal him. I can't heal him. The king of Syria is just looking for an excuse to come and take me. And he rends his clothes and he cries out. His faith is shattered. You have a simple faith. You got a secular faith with the king of Syria. And you got a shattered faith with the king of Israel. You know, the shattered faith comes from not having a walk with God. You know, when you begin to get away from God and when you begin walking out there in the world without God, (laughs) you, you don't turn to him for the little problems. You don't turn to him for any of the problems. He doesn't have that relationship with him. I see, Miss. So you have a simple faith that the, she was willing to share, the secular faith of the king of Syria, the shattered faith of the king of Israel, and he thought it was a trick designed to, to bring war. Verse number eight. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let them come now to me, 
and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of Elisha. Now when we get to Elisha, he's the other character in this. Elisha is the prophet, the man of God. Elisha is the man that walks close to God. He he poured water on the hands of Elijah. He followed him faithfully. There was nothing in it for him. Matter of fact, when Elijah called Elisha, all he did was cast his mantle on him. And he said, let me me go and first offer a sacrifice. He said, what is it to me? I mean, he calls him, in a sense, by putting his mantle on him. But he acts like he doesn't even care if he follows him. Matter of fact, on that last day, the prophets, they they say, you know know that the Lord's going to be calling him up soon. He said, yeah, I know it. And Elijah goes to leave him. And he says, no, I'm coming with you. And he said, well, whatever you want. And he follows him. And Elijah goes somewhere else, and he follows him there. And Elijah goes somewhere else. And he said, what do you want? He said, I want a double portion of what you got. He said, well, you're asking a hard thing. He said, but if you see me caught up in heaven, then you'll get what you asked for. Elisha was a man who trusted God. He was secure in his faith. When you walk with the Lord, the things don't bother you as much. I mean, it, it's, it's like that roller coaster ride when you know everything's okay. You know, I'm old enough to remember the Texas Cyclone. And I'm old enough to remember some of the other rides. I've been on some roller coasters that were fun, a little bit scary. The Texas Cyclone was quite a bit scary by the time I rode it. Because it had been around, it was one of those wooden roller coasters, been around for years. You get on that thing and it would shake and vibrate. You get up to the top and go down. It gets scary. When you're walking with the Lord, you go through these circumstances like somebody I talked to. It's, it's like a peaceful chaos. You know, you know God's in charge, but you're still facing. You, you got this fire burning in front of you. I think with Elisha, I think he just looked at it and said, the Lord's in charge, he'll take care of this. He said, send him my way. But when Naaman gets there, in all his pomp and his glory, he pulls up with the chariots, and they've got all the gold with him. He's got his servants that can carry the gold, and there he is in his, in his raiment, and he's outside the door. And he gets there, and Elisha doesn't even come to the door. He doesn't even come to check out what model chariot he has. He sends his servant out. He's the one that summoned him. Now, Naaman's been all this way. Naaman wants to be healed. And Naaman has been through all kinds of things. He's used all kinds of soaps. He's used all kinds of of remedies. He's been to all kinds of doctors. He's been all over the place, and nobody was able to heal his leprosy. And he's made the whole journey, and he's thought about what must it take to be healed of this leprosy because I've tried all these different things. And he gets to Elisha, and he says, surely he's going to come out, and he's going to say some great prayer over me, maybe lay hands on me, and I'm going to feel the power of God through his hands, or I'm going to feel something. Something's going to happen here. And Elisha just sends his servant out. servant comes out there and says, sir, my, my father said, just go wash in the River Jordan seven times. 
Now he's out there in his robes flowing in the wind. That chariot and that horse just majestic in front of him. He said, go on washing the River Jordan seven times. And Naaman's insulted. <laughs> he's come all this way. He's brought all this treasure. He, he wants to see something. You know, it's such a simple thing to accept Christ, but it's so hard for people to accept what it takes to accept Christ. You know, years ago, when, I, when we first started really going to church at Decatur Baptist in Decatur, Alabama, and uh, we just started going to church, and, and uh, we had rededicated. I had rededicated. Didi got saved. But we, we went, and we were at the bookstore, this was a time when we didn't have money or one of those times we didn't have money. But we go to the bookstore and shopping for a Bible. And there was this big, fat Nelson King James study Bible there on the shelf. And it was $50, and that was quite a bit of money for us to spend. But we saw that Bible. Didi said, go ahead and get it. We'll deal with it. But I got that Bible, and I've, I've had that Bible since 97. Never regretted it. But I started reading that Bible, and I came across this story. Just kind of opened up to it, and I was reading it. And I remember getting excited for the first time about God's Word. And I was reading that. And then the next day at Sunday school, I'm talking to uh, one of my new friends there. And we're standing outside the classroom, and I'm talking to him. And I said, man, I was reading this story about this guy, Naaman. I said, and all he had to do was wash in the River Jordan seven times be healed. I said, but... But he got all upset. That wasn't hard enough for him. I said, isn't that kind of like someone coming to Christ? They, they just, they think you got to go through all these things. It made me look back on, uh, you, you see the New Age movement or you see these other religions. Man, they'll bring in all kinds of trappings. They'll bring in robes. They'll bring in rituals. They'll bring in chants. They'll bring in incense. They'll bring in all kinds of things. So that they can draw closer to God. Yet God made it so simple that somebody in the middle of a field or in the middle of woods or just two people talking and you can come to know the Lord. But that's too simple for some people. That's too, surely there's more to it than that. No, it's accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I don't know. There's, there's got to be more. No, it's accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's repenting of your sins. They try to add to it. Look at uh, Galatians chapter number 3. It's one of my favorite spots. But Galatians chapter number 3, and Paul's talking to the church at Galatia, and there have been uh, Judaizers that came in. And they said, yeah, yeah, no Christ but you got to keep the law. you got to do this. you got to do these things in order to be saved. And Paul tells them, and he, he's, he's real nice when he says it. He says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath, hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. In other words, we came in here preaching Jesus Christ, and we laid it out plain and simple. Who's messed it up? Who, who, why are you so foolish? Who, who messed this up? We laid it out plain and simple for you. 
He said, this only would I learn of you, received you the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. And Paul cuts it down to a simple question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by following the law or did you receive the Holy Spirit by trusting in Jesus Christ? He said, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? He doesn't even let them answer. He answers it for them. You began in the spirit. He said, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? So they got saved. They trusted Christ by faith, but they they're told they got to do all these things in order to keep. And, you know, for man, it's so much easier to wake up in the morning and that checklist I always talk about. Well, I, I did this. I did that. I, I got my ticket. I'm on the way. But we don't earn it. It's for by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you could work and earn your way to heaven, you could brag about it. Go back to uh, 2 Kings chapter number 5. So Naaman gets upset. And he says, the river's back home. They're a lot cleaner. I could have just stayed there. I didn't have to come all this way. I could have just washed in those rivers. If that was going to work, I could have just washed in that river seven times. He could have just sent me an email. I like throwing that in. So Elisha was secure in his face, but in his faith, but Naaman, he was kind of shocked in his. But then we had the faith of his servants, and it was a sensible kind of faith. It was the kind of faith that looks at this and says, you know what? Paul's, Paul's right. He laid it out. It's by grace through faith. It's, it's simple. There's no need to complicate it. I'm putting words in their mouth, but look what they actually said. Verse 13, and his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? And that's when I read that. And I was talking to my friend that morning at the Cater Baptist, and I said, look at that. He said, if he had asked you to do some great thing, a man that wants to be healed of leprosy, a man that wants to be healed of this disease that's been plaguing him his whole life, he would be ready to do just about anything. If, Paul, if uh, Elisha would have come out and said, brought a yoga mat and laid it out and said, all right, well, you got to do this. You got to jump down, turn around, put your foot to the left, put your foot to the right. You do the hokey pokey, turn yourself around. He would have done whatever he had to do to get clean to that leprosy. And he said, but he laid it out for you simple. All you have to do is wash in the river seven times. And I remember telling my friend, and I remember getting excited. I said, man, that's a picture of the sinner coming to Christ. And he was looking at me funny, and I said, what, am I talking too much? And he said, no. He said, it's, it's just, I'm just listening to you. Because you see, the eyes were open for the first time. And I felt that at different times, listening to different people. But he said, uh, he said, how much rather then when he saith to thee, wash and be clean. So verse 14, Naaman submits. The second in command to the king, the most highly respected, the man with 150 pounds of gold in the saddle. He said he submitted to the Lord and he just walked down to the river Jordan and he washed in it seven times. And according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child and he was clean. 
He didn't just get spotty skin back. He didn't just get cleaned a little bit. He got taken all the way back. He was cleaned all the way. And when God cleans you, he cleans you all the way. So, and he returned to the man of God and all his company came and stood before him. And he said, behold now, behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth, but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. And he said, as the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. You see, the gift of salvation is free. There's no price to be paid for it. Naaman, in his heart, wants to do something for the man of God. Here, take it, take it. He said, no, I'm not taking anything for it. God's healing is free. He said, oh, just please take something. No, God's healing is free. So then we get down and just a thought on Naaman and submitting. The Bible says in Matthew 23, 12, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. When pride, and Proverbs eleven two says, When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. It's when we humble ourselves before God that we see the change. But he goes to, to offer money to the prophet, and he said, No, I won't take it. So then we come to the saddest kind of faith, and a faith that we see all too much of. We've seen it on TV. We've seen it on our own doorsteps. But, you know, it, it shows us something here. Let's read a little bit. Verse number 17, And Naaman said, Shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules burden of earth? For thy servant will henceforth neither burnt, neither henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. He asked Elisha for couple of loads of dirt to take back with him because he figures this dirt is holy ground it's from Israel and he's going to build an altar when he gets back and all those other gods that he's been worshiping and didn't do anything for him there's only one true God that can cleanse him he's he said he's no longer going to worship the other gods he's going to build an altar verse 18 and this thing the Lord pardon thy servant that when my master goeth into the house of Rimmon to worship there, and he leaneth on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Rimmon, when I bow down myself in the house of Rimmon, the Lord pardon thy servant in this thing. He says, because of my official duties, I'm going to have to go in there with the king, and I'm going to have to bow down. But please forgive me, because my heart is only toward the one true God. Verse 19, and he said unto him, and we haven't got to Gehazi yet. And he said unto him, Go in peace. So he departed from him a little way. Verse 20. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master hath spared Naaman the Syrian, in not receiving at his hands that which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somewhat of him. So Gehazi followed after Naaman. And when Naaman saw him running after him, he lighted down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master hath sent me, saying, Behold, even now there be come to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. Now Naaman, he's like a newborn Christian now. His heart's pure, and he only wants to do right. 
And there the need's brought up for him. Gehazi says in his heart, he said, well, Elisha didn't take any money, but man, there was a pile of gold there. There was a pile of clothing. It sure would be nice to have a suit or two. And he was willing to give. You know, there's been so many times in my life when, when you help somebody, but you wonder about their motivation. Now, when we get through this, we'll see that Gehazi, when, when Naaman gives him stuff, he only asked for a talent of silver and he asked for two changes of clothes for the, for the prophets that were coming that he lied about. But Naaman in his heart, the pureness of his heart, he gave him twice what he asked for. He gave him two talents of silver and he gave him four changes of clothes for him. His heart was right before the Lord. <coughs> Verse 23, and Naaman said, be content, take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver and two bags with two changes of garments and laid them upon two of his servants and they bear, him, bear them before him. They say that's about 75 pounds of silver he gave him. And when he came to the tower, he took them from their hand and bestowed them in the house. So he didn't let them go in the house. He just, just go ahead and give me that. I'll, I'll hide it. And they bear them before him. And when he came to the tower, he took them from their hand and bestowed them in the house. And he let the men go and they departed. But he went in and stood before his master. And Elisha said unto him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? And he said, Thy servant went no whither. And he said unto him, Went not my heart with thee when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee? Is it time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maid servants? The leprosy therefore of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence as a leper as white as snow. The last kind of faith is a selfish kind of faith. You know, in the in the early '90s, in the late '80s, everybody had their own little business. Y'all remember that? You could, and some people were just selling the opportunity to sell, or they they were their business was selling the business opportunity to somebody else that they could do out of their home and get rich and all this. But you know, one of the tactics was to join the church, and then get in there among the people and sell them. There's people that get around God's people, and there's, there's God's people that have the pure heart like Naaman, and, and they just want to do good for God. And then there's other people that want to take advantage of it. And I've always asked myself, you know, when you're giving to someone, it's like, what are they going to do with that? But, you know, for Naaman, he wasn't the one that suffered. It was Gehazi. When you give... Your gift is between them and God. If they abuse it, that's between them and God, that selfish kind of faith. So I just wanted to share this with you this morning. There's not a big convicting message in this, but you see the seven different kinds of faith that people go through. What were the seven? I got the simple, the secular, the shattered. The secure, the sensible. The submissive and the selfish. Now you realize that's not doctrine, right? That's just the way people are.
as we go into the new year and throughout the year, you're going to come across different people with different types of that faith. And it's just, it's up to us to have the pure heart, to be drawn close to God, to not get, to not get scared or have the shattered faith, to have that simple faith. God says, Jesus said, if, if whoever come to me must come to me as a little child. Just a simple faith. I remember hearing an illustration one time of a young man in South America that he didn't, he didn't have both oars in the water. He might have been pushing a yacht with a five-horse motor. He didn't have a lot going for him upstairs. And he'd get on the bus, and he had his Bible, and someone said, oh, you believe in God? And he's like, yeah. And he said, how do you know there is a God that exists? He said, because my Bible tells me so. He just had that simple faith, trusting God. There's other people that get so complicated about it, they can't even they can't even have the faith or trust in God. And then you got people like Elijah, secure in their faith. They've seen God work in their lives. You've got people like Gehazi that are out to fleece the flock, that are out to take advantage of. So everybody stand.